1: Can you see it? Did you notice? Over. Check,
2: but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores. Moments notice.
1: Adam'sley.
0: Like I don't, I don't <laughs> cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. By, hold my Just wave the guy and get
2: Demko involved. I wanted him in and down Wow, really? we should do a radio show together.
0: <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
1: What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. <laughs>
2: All righty, quads. I hear what people are saying now when they say we have a long intro. That's the first time we've had to come back uh, from the intro on the new setup. My name is Chris Favor, David Quadrelli on my side. Welcome to the Canucks Conversation, Episode eighty-eight. Of the Canucks conversation as we continue moving forward, presented by the great folks, of course, at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. We are back in the same room. We are back in a studio. We are in our studio quads. How's it going, buddy? We set this up yesterday, and it's going good so far.
0: It is going good. Only a few pieces of foam fell on the ground when we got here, so... You know, I'd take that as a win, I'd say. It's pretty good. Eye contact there for the first time again. It's been a while since we've had that on the show. I know. And it's so funny because I was looking at the computer screen for the first half of that sentence and then I looked at you and I'm like, wow, I'm sitting next to you now. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a while, man. It's been a while since we've been at BCIT. That's not where we are now. We have built our studio and we are coming at you with our new roadcaster, which is a beautiful piece of equipment. We are really, really enjoying enjoying it so far the buttons and everything oh I love it yeah I hope people
2: can notice already with the audio so we're excited for that but man I'm excited to get back in the studio because there's a lot of stuff that we can get into this week about the Vancouver Canucks um I think we should probably just start with the biggest news right off the bat uh about Judd Brackett moving to Minnesota I know we didn't even talk about that so we're going to mention on the show but what did you initially think when when that news dropped on uh, Thursday morning I guess it was
0: well, I knew it was coming. I didn't know where he was going, but I did know he was going to have no problem finding work. And there was a lot of names out there that teams could have gone for and Minnesota could have targeted, but Judd Brackett was really the biggest name of them all. And I wasn't surprised. I knew there was about six teams that were gunning for his services. Uh, so I wasn't really surprised by it, but... Yeah, Minnesota. I I wonder, because, you know, Minnesota's kind of been that team that we kind of joke about being mediocre at literally everything, and they're presumably about to get really good at drafting, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they have two first-round picks, which means that they could pick three times before the Vancouver Canucks do.
2: Yeah, they absolutely do have two first-round picks. Um, And, yeah, no third-round picks. So the Canucks have them in that end if you want to look at that. Um, but, yeah, it's a great spot for Judd Brackett to land. Um It's just funny because the Canucks are playing the Minnesota Wild in the first round, you know, in this playing game, and it just feels like it's the most Canucks thing to happen that our guy that has been praised in the Canucks management, uh, yeah. and, you know, a lot of people haven't been praised in Canucks management, but the guy that has gotten all the praise happens to go to the team that we're playing in a playoff play-in series i gotta get used to saying play-in, play-in series so yeah. much but it, it is it's so canucks that this happens this way um i know a lot of people were out there thinking that seattle was going to be a good landing spot for judd Brackett, and i you know i think that would have been a great spot for them as a team that's trying to do something different and build up a prospect pool judd bracket seems like a great addition to that but it seems like seattle just couldn't capitalize on the situation and minnesota had to swoop in there And Judd Brackett's going to do great for them. I'm sure he is. He's been incredible at being a director of amateur scouting. And I don't think that's going to stop with him moving to Minnesota.
0: No, I I think Minnesota's drafting is about to get a lot better. But again, we have to wait and see, right? Um, There's still people who are saying, oh, Judd's not responsible for the drafting. So who knows? Maybe maybe those people have a... Time to do some victory laps after uh, five (laughs) years down the line. We'll take a we'll take a look at that.
2: Yeah, well, we'll most definitely see it. Two first round picks. I'm sure he's going to knock out of the park with Minnesota. Who knows? Maybe Minnesota gets the first overall pick, and then like how nice would that be for Judd Brackett to just walk into walk into a new team, have the first overall pick in the draft, and
0: uh, and then another first round pick. Well, how how nice would it be for Judd Brackett if the Wild lose to the Canucks and then win the draft lottery and then. He goes up to the stage, looks right into the camera, right into Canucks fans' living rooms, and says, "With the first overall pick, the Minnesota Wild select Alexi Lafreniere."
2: Yeah, that would be
0: nightmare if you. What did what I say? It would like be.
2: it's very Canucks of him to go to Minnesota. It's very Canucks for that whole situation. Yeah, for to happen, that to right? happen, that is Canucks luck for sure. But I still think that, you know, it's such a debate to have. But I still think that the best thing for this Canucks team is to go into the playoffs instead oh, of going for the 12.5%. 100%. Um I think that this this matchup against Minnesota Wild, I'm so excited for. It. It's great to just see the, the Canucks skaters getting back on the ice. That's a huge thing that's going on yeah. right now. We're starting to see some of these videos come up. What do you think about the videos having no sound on them, though? I found that kind of interesting.
0: It was a crime that the video of Elias Pettersson mm. shooting bar down with a slapper yeah. was silenced. Who made that decision? <laughs> Why would you not have... Like, especially, you know how the audio is when you film in slow-mo on, like, an iPhone? You know how nice that would have sounded? Yeah. It would have been great. I know. Uh-huh.
2: They missed an opportunity on that. And know what else I've noticed with all these videos come out. The goalies are getting sniped on so far. Oh we haven't seen a goalie gosh. video yet. Um, yeah. But what we've seen is a lot of snipes. And, you know, some of the times the goalies aren't even in net. Um, we're having those, like, weird little things that cover the net with the holes yeah, in them yeah, for yeah. The, the shooter whatever shooter helpers shooter tutors is that what they're called if know. not they should be called that um but Trademark. yeah we got a we got a video probably of the goaltenders coming up soon uh we've been on a couple of the calls lately with Bo Horvat and uh, Chris Tanev uh anything that you took away from those I mean and well I was on the one on Tuesday with Tanev you were on the one Thursday with Bo Horvat neither of us got a question in but we were we gotta, on the calls <laughs>
0: we gotta stop asking Bo Horvat about Oh, do you miss your son? Are you sad to be away from your son? Yeah, no kidding he is. I oh my gosh. I you know what? I didn't ask a question on that call because like I, I obviously wanted to ask him about the playing series. IMAC asked the question I wanted to ask, so I was like, uh whatever. I'll I'll just, you know, I'll sit this one out and then I was like, oh maybe I'll just ask him something about his son, but like nothing negative or like oh Bo, do you miss your son? Like, of course he misses his son. And I know you need that quote for your story, but it was just like there was one question on there where I literally was in my seat. I'm like, that is mean. Like that <laughs> is so mean. And I felt so bad for Bo. Like um, I was, you, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask him and I'm, it got asked right away was, uh, did you have any thoughts of opting out of yeah. the play in series? Cause you see, you know, Buster Posey in the MLB just opted out cause he's having, um, he's adopting twins with his wife, um, especially these guys with young kids. And I mean, you know the focus is on Bo, but we know Antoine Roussel's expecting. We know Jordy Ben's expecting. Like these guys are going to be having kids at the well, their wives are going to be having kids. But you know what I mean? Um, they're not. Bo's not the only one in this situation. And I mean, have you seen any videos of Jordy Ben and Antoine Roussel? Because I haven't. I don't know where these guys are. No, and it's true.
2: I mean, and nobody's asking. Right? That's that's the weird thing because you know, and it's something that was kind of asked in the calls. Like, is training camp going to be? live streamed and broadcasted for fans to watch
0: no and
2: yeah it's not so that's (laughs) going to be you know that's going to be very vital for us possibly being or media folk you know we're hoping that we're able to get in there as well but i think that what they're trying to do is set up media folk in the building to cover training camp because aside from that you're right like what if a player isn't skating for three days is that guy possibly testing positive that we're just not going to hear yeah we just don't know about it like today the mlb dropped at 83 or 86 people tested positive for coronavirus Eesh. that are in the MLB bubble you know like that's well that's tough but I do think that you know if somebody in Vancouver had it or tested positive people would know you know I feel like the reporting here yeah. is so damn strong we talk about yeah the Vancouver media so much somebody would catch with of something so I don't think we have anything to worry about with that but it is kind of curious to see that we're not getting videos of all the players practicing like you're right like are is Roussel practicing it like I don't really know we don't really know they're not yeah, giving us and, a list of and players who
0: do we ask right like You know, it's funny we're talking about if we're going to be there or not because, you know, the relationship with Canucks Army and the team is, you know, I'd say it's a lot better now. Um, I kind of had a bit of a relationship with the PR staff from my Botchford night. They know you. So I think we've kind of been able to grow off that like prior relationship, which has been helpful. But um, yeah, I mean, when we go to training camp, presumably, or when, you know, the main guys like the province and the athletic, they all go there. Basically, what's going to happen is, you know, we've been given the rough outline of the protocol, and that is that all availability is going to be through Zoom. And I mean, that's still going to extend to you and I, whether we're at the rink or not. Um, you know, presumably it's going to be one of us at the rink and we'll alternate, whatever. We'll have to figure that out. But um, Zoom calls are going to be how you talk to all the players and you put in your availability request. So presumably you'd be in the upper bowl at like the front row observing practice, observing training camp. And then after... After it's finished, you throw in a request and say, "Hey, I'd like to talk to so and so," and then you're gonna Facetime them or sorry, Zoom, Zoom call them from the upper deck, which is I just find hilarious. Like what it what is really unprecedented funny. times? Hey, like if you talked to me a year ago and you said, "Hey, you're gonna be in the upper deck." or the upper bowl of Rogers arena. And then you're going to FaceTime Troy Stetcher after and ask him why he puked at training camp. I wouldn't, I'd be like, what are you talking
2: about? Yeah, that's definitely a strange way to set up. And yeah, it's, it's something that nobody's really gone through before, um, which could benefit us as, uh, not really media members, you know, us being in the
0: the stands might be
2: kind of helpful for us to be in that situation a little bit.
0: We've had so many stories already. Well, more so me, I guess, because you're just starting the Zoom calls. But I've had some stories about these Zoom calls. The Krusty Krab, I was reminded of that. We're looking for our top uh, 20 or so moments of Canucks Convo history. Mm -hmm. I was reminded of the Krusty Krab Zoom call, and I went back and listened to it. And wow, I was, I'm still like, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable talking to the players and pretty comfortable on the calls now, but... Back when I started, man, I was like, I remember I was like shaking, especially even the first last year started this season when I went to the arena for intro media day, my knees were shaking and I was asking like Troy Stetcher a question or JT Miller. And like, it was so funny because Rob Williams from Daily Hive was like standing right behind me and we didn't really know each other at that point. And yeah, he, uh, he definitely noticed that my legs were shaking when I was asking that question.
2: Yeah. I do remember you're drinking a lot of water that day. I remember watching you on the, uh, on the live stream. I was saying, you're drinking a lot of water quads. That's good. Stay hydrated for your interviews. But Well, you know I drink a lot of water. That is true. It's like, uh, I don't know if you drink more water or I drink more lemonade. Because I'll put down, you know this, I'll do two liters of lemonade probably a day. And people rip on me because the lemonade I'm drinking is just sugar water pretty much. But I'm addicted to this you. stuff. It keeps me going. Um, I actually had a huge cup of coffee this morning which I was excited for. And I spoke with... Um, we'll talk about it later in the interview a little... Or in this episode a little bit. But I spoke with Joe Roberts again, uh, play-by-play voice of the Utica Comets. We talked a bunch about Cole Lind, uh, which was awesome. Have that big article coming up. And I think we'll discuss Cole Lind a little bit later on this episode. But the thing I wanted to touch on a little bit now was something that I just did not think was going to happen at all this year. And that's Michael Furland in a Canucks Jersey. After seeing that game in Utica, I remember watching it played first half of the first period and then nothing after that. And I just said, okay, like this guy needs to 100% more than hundred percent, 150% get back to that full health of him being able to actually play in a full hockey game. If it's anything close to him, not being able to finish the game, he does not need to play hockey for himself, for his family, for his future, for his brain. He just can't play hockey. So, now that we see him out there skating, we heard that he made the trip driving in from Winnipeg all the way to Vancouver so he could avoid the two-week, um, I guess, quarantine setup. So now that he's on the ice, he's skating. We saw him in the Jake Furtanen group. What's your thoughts on Michael Furlan right now? Like, Is he a guy that, that like, I, I just, I don't know. It, it boggles my mind because I didn't think that he would be playing for the Vancouver Canucks this year. But with him practicing, with him making the drive, these are some positive things, I
0: think, to actually possibly seeing him in the Canucks lineup here as soon as the play-in game against Minnesota. He helps the Canucks. Make no mistake about it. On a third line, you take Michael Furland 100% of the time. And it's funny because he never really got... You remember... I'm trying to jog your memory here. At the start of the season, he got a really bad flu. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, so, lost
2: like 15 pounds or something. Exactly.
0: So... He never really got to get that preseason experience. And when he did, you know, we penciled him in right away. Uh, you know, we didn't have the show back then, but we were still talking. And, you know, we were saying, this guy's going to play with Patterson and Besser. This is the mean, tough. Well, I winger. just want to say, I was
2: never in that camp. Okay. Well, I was. So, okay. anyways, I was a Horvat guy. I was okay. on the Horvat.
0: Okay. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. Um. So everybody had him penciled in with those two. Sure enough, that's what we see when Furlan's healthy. He was playing with Patterson and Besser was he was he looked like he was a step behind. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. didn't look like he was up to par and ready to play with players of the caliber of Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser. Again, how much of that is because he lost 15 pounds right before the season and then was told, okay, get in there. Like that's not easy to do. And then he has the concussion problem. So, I mean, we really haven't seen anything from Michael Furland in a Canucks uniform. So, I mean, it's strange because, like, yeah, he was in that third line role playing with Brandon Sutter for a bit in October, November, whatever it was. Yeah. He's uh, still,
2: to this, like, to this date, this season, I'm pretty sure Michael Ferland might have had the biggest hit of the year. Early on in the season, I can't remember who was against, but he was on the left side for checking and he laid out a huge hit. Some people that might jog their memory a little bit, but he probably had the biggest hit of
0: the year for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Well, and man, you know what? I'm excited to see him play and I'm excited to be in the playoff series. And I've tried to get to the bottom of this. Like, it's funny to me because everybody likes to pretend like they're a concussion expert. And people are like, oh, he's had three concussions. That's it. You can't come back from that. And then I'm like, wow, okay, like I used to think that too. I was like, okay, this is this is a thing. This is how this works. And then I start talking to concussion specialists and they're like, no, well, actually, there's no actual factual basis to that. Concussions are treatable injuries. You might be more susceptible to one in the future if you've had a bunch of them, but there's ways to make sure that you don't have that concussion. Of course, someone's going to say, well, one of those ways is to not play professional hockey. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Fair enough. But I'm saying if the doctors, and I'm not saying you know i'm not trying to not trying to poke the bear here but i'm not trying to say if the nhl doctors say that he's good to go that he's good to go i'm saying if a team of specialists from either ucla or one of these places that has like one of the top concussion teams in the world okay after they've all examined him and i say all because you need about 6 6 different specialists looking at the same brain that's what it takes okay after that's happened who are we to say, oh, no, Michael Furlin can't play? If Michael Furlin says he wants to play and the doctors are telling him, yes, you're safe to do so, why not? Yeah, and that's what you bring up as the two points
2: that it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we say at all. It doesn't matter what fans think at all. And I think that a lot of, you know... <laughs> Like, I'm not going to start and say that people are arguing about it because 99% of people are saying, you know, are worried about him as a person. You see that on Canucks Twitter. Nobody's saying, like, he's got to get in and play. This is a guy who who plays hockey for a living. And And if you
0: you have that opinion that, oh, "Oh, Ferland screwed us over, he's got to get back in there, just
2: just don't. Um, I got to
0: get the bleep button going.
2: Yeah, it's true. Actually, we haven't even tried out any of these sound things. Maybe we'll get to those later on. But (laughs) um, you bring up a good point. You talked about the six different doctors that you talked about when you wrote that story about Michael Furlan uh, and the concussion history. You spoke with some concussion specialists. When you go and you try and make a comeback to play your rest of your season and you go down to the AHL and you play less than the first half of the period and then you have to go out because of concussion-like s- symptoms – you don't just go back to the same doctor that just said, okay, you're okay to come back and play. Yep. You go yep. and you see as many specialists yep. as possible. You get as many opinions as possible. And I'd like, I don't know if that actually happened, but I'm going to bet, you know, the house that I don't own on that, that that actually happened. Like this, this is a situation where the guy wants to continue playing hockey, obviously. Um, he wants to be able to contribute to this Canucks team. There's a reason he signed here. We forget about all this stuff that, you know, Michael Ferland was excited for. Was it his mom who said not to hit the sedines too hard yeah. in that playoffs? Yeah. I mean, this guy's got to be excited to come into this core. Any player that's signing in Vancouver over the next, you know, over this, pretty much since this past year and moving forward, have to be so excited about seeing what you can do, skating with guys like Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, and now with guys like JT Miller. Like, this is a place where people, as free agents that are kind of older might want to come here for a reduced rate to come play hockey. Michael Furland is an example of that. He got the, he got the years. So his contract's not really absolutely favorable um, to a lot of this Canucks team or this cap situation, which we could dive into later in this episode as well. But he wants to be on this. He wants to be playing playoff hockey, man. He wants to be here in Vancouver playing hockey. And I think that if he's fully cleared, by the amount of doctors and the amount of specialists that he's got to see over the past little bit, there's no reason why he can't come in and contribute. It does still surprise me, though, because, man, I I saw him go out and skate. That was He probably skated two shifts, I think, uh, in that Utica game, and I don't even think he was involved. There was one little bump that he took, I think, in the corner in that game, but there was nothing at all. It was just the pace of play that made him not able to play in that game, and that's the thing that kind of scares me a little bit because we see him out there practicing, but he's not going to be able to get into a scrimmage situation or a game situation until they get to that exhibition game or until they get to training camp and are able to start ramping it up. So I'm not fully on board with him actually playing yet. I need to see that next yep. step because you can go on the ice and skate around and shoot a puck and in a net with no goaltender. Totally. But until he's actually banging bodies and skating full speed and being, you know, testing you know, testing what a professional athlete has to do yeah. to look like a professional athlete. I'm still not sold that we are going to see him, but I'm definitely getting positive results of yep. him being here and, you know, making the drive. That's a big commitment. I mean, he could have just stayed and try and repaired his brain or, you know, at least try and get himself set up for the future a little bit, but he he's here and yeah, he, he's a
0: big piece to this Canucks team in the playoffs if they can get him going and get him involved. So the way the, NHL concussion protocol works. The way that he was able to get clearance was by going on a bike and getting his heart rate up to what it would be at in a game speed. Like They simulate that, right? And then after that, they say, okay, do you have any symptoms? Now they wait 24 hours. Then they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again. So you're getting your heart rate up, which should, if you have a concussion, theoretically, that should get you feeling those symptoms, right? But- then he goes into a game and has the same problem. So here's the thing. And I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or say the organization's trying to hide this. But when we were on that zoom call with Jim Benning, that was my question. Like I was going to ask him, Hey, um, obviously you guys are excited to have Michael Furlan back. Um, is there any, any, any change in the way that he was treated this time around for this concussion? And To be completely fair, like I didn't submit this question to anybody. It wasn't like they saw this question. We're like, okay, we can't let them ask this. That's not, that's not the case. This is just the question that I was going to ask. And I had it in my head. Like I hadn't told anybody, but you know, on the Benning zoom call, as you know, there's a lot of national media, and they didn't get to the Canucks Army guy. So nobody's asked that question, and I find that so strange because if I was given the opportunity, that'd be the first question I'd be asking. Has he gotten different treatment? And I mean, maybe I'm the only one that's asking this question because I'm the only one that's looked into this and, like, spoken to concussion specialists and done this. But I know other guys have, which is... Well, you you like you might be the only person asking that question, but you know a lot of people want that answer, you know? I know, and I... So... Man, give me access. I, I am the voice of the people. Anyways, um, so what I will say is it's damn concerning if he hasn't got another treatment. But you and I can't say for sure if he has got the same treatment as he did last time or if it's changed at all. It should have changed. Damn right, it should have. So, you know, I guess the first day of training camp when we're putting in requests for availability, I can tell you my first guy is going to be Michael Furland.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't think he'll be the only one cuz this this is a thing that we're going to be talking about a lot in the future. I'm just I'm looking at some of the games that he had this year cuz he played 14 games for the Canucks. Um only one game where he played more than 13 minutes of ice time. Damn. But I'm looking at like how much of an impact this guy can make and if you want to see some numbers that you like to see in the playoffs, I'm looking at 5 games right here out of the 14 where he had four or more hits in a game. You know, this wow. is the type of player that we that we could see with Michael Furrellen in the playoffs. This is a guy like he had forty hits in fourteen games. And a lot of those games, like he didn't even finish them. I mean, we're look I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five games under ten minutes of ice time. This guy had forty hits in fourteen games. Holy cow. One of the almost one of the lead one of one of the team leaders in hits right now on this Vancouver Canucks team, Michael Ferland. I mean, if he's healthy and he's playing on a third or even a fourth line, that is that is a player that you want in a playoff series. Like so he could make such an impact.
0: You're you're totally right the 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 problem i have with the hit stat is that a lot of the times it means you're just running around and you know you're out of position and you're hitting people you're chasing the puck around you don't have the puck so you're hitting people and i mean it's great that he has that stat but then you also have to look at his course you have to look at you know how he's driving play what he's doing but again this is a michael furlan that wasn't himself and he was still able to do that so i mean if this guy gets healthy oh my gosh like the things that he would be able to do would be frightening, really, quite frankly. Like, it it would have shades of
2: 2015. Well, I think that's the thing that what you just brought up is like, yeah, he's chasing the play, but we've seen... In the past with Michael Furland, he's a guy who can play on a top line. He's a guy you yep. can play in your top six. So I think you don't have to worry too much about that because good point. if he can get back to the game that he's playing, he isn't a fourth line guy who just goes out there and get hit. You know, he's not Michael Delzato out there getting a yeah, ton of yeah, hits yeah. every year. I think he hits different, and I think he hits hard as hell. Like, oh, yeah. like I said, um, I don't want to get hit by him. No, we're gonna have to bring up the uh, pass you know, away. I'll have to tweet away the 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 hit that he had this year. I'll make sure to tweet that out this weekend. Um because I think it was the biggest hit all year long. I think I remember tweeting it out at the time that I thought that was the biggest hit all year long and having that into your lineup it was something that you know we recently when we were talking on the phone was it rick i think we were talking to who mentioned
0: and rick hits I, yeah and rick i asked him that same question i said hey rick have you heard anything about Furlan getting different treatment this time around and rick said he heard nothing about it and you know again i'm i need to stress this because i know someone on twitter is going to run with this i am not saying that the team is hiding this at all just nobody's asked as far as i know
2: yeah and that's the thing like we've We've seen him on the ice. Uh, I, I think that Canucks' PR is making a smart decision by not just releasing him to the media for 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, when they get to the point of at training camp, they can't really do that anymore. They can't protect him by putting out, you know, Bo Horvat, Elias Pettersson, Chris Tanev, these guys who are going to be good at talking to the media mm-hmm. and aren't going to have a million questions towards them. Michael Ferland is going to have that. They can't throw Michael Ferland to the Wolves that are the Vancouver media yeah. right now because he would just get ripped
0: apart. Man, I might get a concussion if I had to talk to Vancouver reporters for 30 minutes. Yeah, probably just talking to him would be enough. Yeah, but
2: <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I think he can be a huge impact player. But the other question is, if Michael Ferland's in, who's coming out? Is it Tyler Mott? Because
0: that guy, you know, Tyler Mott's got to be there to kill penalties. He, he's the robbed of the unsung hero, Tyler Mott. Um, I would you know what man It's funny because we look at the lineup And what do you do with a guy like Zach McEwen Right there's so many Options and I mean Jake Vertanen is a name that I keep seeing floated That they're like yeah we're gonna We're gonna have to take this guy out Really are we gonna take out a guy who was on Pace to score 20 goals I know I know he's not a great Player away from the puck I know He's scared to go into board battles For some reason I understand all that at the end of the day, Jake Virtanen is still a very good skater, Scored tw- almost scored 20 goals. He would have had the season continued. Yeah. So, I mean, you want that in the playoff. You want to give Jake that opportunity to succeed in the playoff. So, I mean, I see a lot of people saying it's going to be Jake that comes out. I don't see it. I really don't. And I know you know Travis isn't exactly fond of Jake. But That's the only reason why I think exactly. these people are coming to this conclusion. If
2: you yeah. look at the way that they played this year and the numbers that they put up and the impact that they can have on getting wins... Jake Fertanen should not be taken out, but if you're looking at Travis Green going into a playoff game and Travis yep. Green trying to win a playoff series the way that Travis Green wants to, Jake Fertanen doesn't fit as much as a Brandon Sutter does, unfortunately. And I, oh, I like, geez. I don't know. That hurts me to say because <laughs> like I would not want Brandon Sutter on my team over Jake Fertanen. But if you're gonna put Michael Furlan in, you know that's when he starts to say, like. Does Furlan have a spot over Jake in Travis Green's mind on the third line? He might. Does, does, does then you look at Tyler Mott? Does he have a spot over Jake on the fourth line? In Travis Green's mind, he might.
0: Okay, so in my mind, David's mind, Michael Ferland has a spot over Jake on the third line if he's healthy and if he plays well in the training camp. Wow, I sounded like Sakaris there. Um, <laughs> it's the new mics in front. of I, him. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I say you put you put Ferland ahead of Jake. On the fourth line, it's hard because Mott's such a speedy penalty killer, and Jake doesn't really kill penalties. He's done it a little bit in the past. But, but
2: for me, there's no right winger. I've heard Harmon make the argument that Brandon Sutter will be the third-line winger on the right wing oh, with Harmon. Adam Gaudet, and you know whether it be a Ferlin or a Roussel, that's kind of where he, his third line yeah. looks. That third line to me doesn't... You know, like yeah, it does screen Travis Green. I know that's not Harmon's argument. That's Harmon's argument yeah, about what yeah, he exactly. thinks could yeah. happen, right? I know it's just so, sad that
0: it's he's bringing it up. He's sad. totally right. <laughs> I know,
2: but I mean, like looking at that third line, the way I would like to see it, and let's say Furlan is healthy, I I have to really think about what that third line looks like with Ferlin Gaudet and Vertanen, or what it looks like with Roussel, Gaudet and Vertanen. Because listen, what I like about Jake Vertanen. And what I would like to see from Jake Virtanen as the playoffs is him go to that next level. Antoine Roussel has proven that he can make Jake Vertanen rise his energy. You know, when he plays yep. on a line with Antoine Roussel and Roussel is playing good and skating well, which is something that I think we'll see when he comes back because, you know, yep. obviously he looked like that knee was a little bit banged up still when he was yep. coming back. But, he does get the energy up. Can Michael Ferland be that same kind of spark plug for Jake Virtanen to get him going in the playoffs? Because if he can, if Ferland's out there, like I mentioned, throwing four or five hits a game and like big hits and getting involved physically and moving the puck down on the boards, getting it to Jake Virtanen in the slot, because. Furlan, if he's digging pucks out, he's got Adam Godette and Jake Furtan and two of the better shooters on the Vancouver Canucks on his line. He's just got to dig a puck out and get it to those guys in open areas, and they're going to be able to score on that third line. That makes that third line really exciting for me. And I know a lot of people oh, talk man. about the Canucks having one of the better top sixes, you know, going into these playing games out of the teams in the playoffs games. But if you have Michael Furlan playing at Michael Furlan's potential, they have a top nine that could be really effective if you look at what Adam Godette
0: yeah. and Jake Furtan could do at their high potential too. And, uh, you know, another guy who I think benefits from Roussel when he's really on his game is Adam Gaudet. Adam Gaudet was hustling. He was hard on the forecheck. He was not, you know, man, we were just talking about how Jake's kind of scared of board battles and to go dig out pucks. And we, you just mentioned Ferland digging out pucks. You know who should be kind of scared about digging out pucks? The guy who's had, like, nine concussions. Yeah. Like, oh, anyways. I do like the idea of that line together because if you have Furland and Furland's been asked about this before, if he sees a little bit of himself in Jake and he said, yeah, he does. So if you have Furland playing at his full potential play off Furland, which we know, we know all about in Vancouver, you have him playing at his full potential. Jake's going to look over and be like, okay, I got to get my act together. I got to start playing like this guy. Same with Godette. Like they kind of, Go off of each other. And I think right. that's something Roussel did. And I think, yes, I do think Furlan can have a similar impact, especially on a guy like Jake Vertanen, who still views himself as a power forward. Um, you know, Jake told me at training camp that he watches tape of other power forwards from the past and the present to try and figure out how he can do stuff. He worked with the skills coach over last summer um, Pavel Barber on stick handling. He worked on his edges. He worked on how he can get to the net hard, how he can do different things to be more successful as a power forward. And I mean, Jake's definitely not a power forward. When you look at him, like when you look how he plays, he's not a power forward. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've said before that I think he's a power, he's a desperately underachieving, underachieving power forward. And when he's at his best, he's playing like a power forward. The problem is he rarely actually does that. So, you know, I still think there's room for him to grow. But as of now, I don't really think he's a power forward quite like Furland is. So... Yeah. yeah, and I think
2: Jake's taking strides, and I think the position of a power forward's changed. You can't take one hand off your stick and stiff arm a guy like Todd Bertuzzi did, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at the way that the way that I look at power forwards now is a guy who has, like, powerful skating. And, you know, Jake Furtanen does have that. He has a decent amount of size on him, too. Like, he can throw that body around and lean on a guy yep. pretty good, but I think the way that I look at a power forward, I wrote about this earlier in the year looking at Jake Furtanen, too. Like, a lot of his shots this year, his percentage of shots that were around the net was gradually like was greatly increasing this year from what he did in the past so he is going to the net more he was getting a shot off and he wasn't missing the net like a ridiculous amount like he was in the past like his shooting percentage was actually pretty high over the past yeah. couple of years but that's because he was missing the net so goddamn yeah. much that it wasn't registering as a shot on a lot of them um, his you know but now he's hitting the net a little bit more we looked on the power play and that second power play unit, as soon as God was added to it that second power play unit was one of the better ones in the NHL as a second power play unit you know there was times in the first few weeks of that line coming together with Jake Vertanen and Adam Gaudet, they were producing more than the first power play unit. And you look at that first power play unit; it's ridiculous to see the skill that they have. But that second unit can be so effective and Jake's a guy that I wanted to see big time in the playoffs with the Vancouver crowd behind him, because we know that he rides off this team. He he obviously likes what shotgun Jake has done to him. And uh, you know, like that's, that's something that I really want to see. I don't know if it's going to change that much because he's still playing with the Vancouver. I guess it's not really on his chest anymore after they switched jerseys, but he's playing for a Vancouver team. He's a local kid. I want to see what he can do in the playoffs. And it's a contract year for him. I think him and Adam Gaudet, this playoffs are going to really establish what kind of money they're going to make over the next two to three years on this upcoming contract, because this year didn't get to be finished. Jake didn't get to twenty goals. Uh, Godet didn't get to twenty goals. He was, I think, thirty three points on the year. So something pretty similar numbers for him. But a lot of people are talking about how much more money Jake Vartanian is going to make than Adam Godet on this next contract. Like, if Godet has a really good playoffs he's got to put put in a good little number for himself coming up in the next future here because he scores on the second power play unit. He's a center on a team that really needs that third-line center to be able to control offense a little bit. And, you know, he's, he's the reason why Brandon Sutter is now a fourth-line player on this Canucks team because he's able to be that third-line center that we've needed for so long.
0: So when you look at statistical comparables for Adam Gaudet, Brett Lee did this for Canucks Army. That's how I know this. It comes in... Sorry, Adam Gaudet. I don't know if I said Brandon Sutter there. Adam Gaudet. mil to 2.5 that's the range that he's going to come in at so when you look at that and you take into account that godette had 33 points on the season jake had 36 you need to understand that a lot of those points that godette got were secondary assists and jake's were goals so you look at it and you say, okay, these are just points. Like if you go off points, sure. The two look like they're pretty comparable, but I do still, I do still believe that Jake's going to be getting anywhere from 2.5 to 3.5 on his next deal. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be below two. Well, and looking at Jake's, points percentage like you mentioned his primary points percentage highest on the team yeah higher
2: than Elias Patterson Adam Gaudet was one of the bottom three on this team if you include power play time as well at five on five he had a decent amount of kind of averaging out goals and primary point primary assists but if you look at his power play points eight assists on the or sorry he had nine assists on the power play Adam Gaudet did um eight of the nine were secondaries. So, like, he's not setting up a lot of stuff on the power play like it looks like when you initially just look at the stats. But you do bring up a good point, like... Jake Jake does contribute a lot offensively there's a lot to work on his game defensively for sure yeah um that's why it's kind of good to have a guy like Travis Green coaching him because Travis Green's had him for a few years he's had him in Utica he's had him at the NHL level now like he probably knows what buttons to push and that's a test of how good of a coach Travis Green is if he can get the best out of Jake for 10 and that's a huge plus for this team and if Travis Green can do that like I'm all aboard to see what Green's able to do with him so um that's kind of what the roster is looking like right now. Um, I don't know if we have too much more to discuss. I'm sure we'll just dive into a little bit after we head to our breaks here. Uh, but after the break, we're going to talk about some prospects. We're going to talk about Cole Lynn. We're going to talk about Vasily Pod Colson. And we're going to see if Dave can run the board here to live play our ads. So uh, Dave, take it away, buddy. Alright guys, before we go any further into the episode I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. You know what it is Parallel 49 Beer If you want to go out and try their newest beer, it's called the cool It is a smoothie sour that looks absolutely delicious The perfect beer for the summertime uh, If you guys want to check out Parallel 49 Beer, you can get more information on their social media feeds That's at Parallel49Beer That's at Parallel49Beer Or you can head right down to their location in East Van at nineteen fifty triumph street so go out there and try some of the delicious summer beers that's going to be coming up soon here for parallel
0: zephyr epic is canada's source for trading card games and sports cards they ship free anywhere in canada on orders over 50 dollars before taxes and canucks conversation podcast listeners can save five dollars off their order with promo code canucks convo that's all one word promo code canucks convo you can shop online or at their retail store located in surrey Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Support for Canucks Conversation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The water-resistant technology on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just launched in Canada, by the way, allows you to groom in the shower. It's perfect. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes and has a USB-mounted charger so you can show off your perfect tool for your family jewels. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CanucksConvo at manscaped.com. Your balls will. Thank you. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friend. You do not know how long I've wanted to do that for, Chris. That is... I just worked the board. I'm like wadding on this board right now.
2: Yeah, you were working the board. Good little uh, comeback there with Little Beatles, your favorite band. Yes. Um, Speaking of getting by with your friends, friend of Canucks fans, I think, a lot of them, or foe of a lot of Canucks fans, Vasily Pod Colson apparently isn't that good, Quads.
0: What the hell are people talking about? I. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. I wanted to put this in a tweet, but I got to start with this. The people who are telling you that Nikita Triamkin is a legit NHL defenseman, but to pump the brakes on Vasily Podkolzin, what do these people have in common? Oh, here's something. They've never watched either player play in the KHL at any point over the last three years. This is a ridiculous thing that's going on on Twitter. And you know I don't use Twitter anymore, uh, so I didn't put anything out. I don't go at these people anymore. They are stupid. I'm not even... I'm not even entertaining them. I'm not talking to them anymore. So I saved it for this podcast. You people have no idea what you're talking about. It's a shame that you look at his HockeyDB page, Vasily Puck-Coltson, is, and go, oh, two goals in 30 games? This guy sucks. Are you kidding me? So these, what these people don't know is that Vasily puck played like five games this year where he got 13 seconds of ice time. He played like one shift in a lot of these games as the 13th forward. He plays for Putin's team in the KHL. Like this is this is the team that doesn't have to go abide by the salary cap in the KHL because Putin owns the team or Putin's a fan of the team, something like that. I know this is the best team cons- this is the New York Yankees of the KHL, okay? This is the team that he plays for. So yes, as an 18-year-old, he's not getting a ton of ice time. Now, here's what you don't know. So during the regular season, he played uh he averaged 8 minutes of ice time to begin the season. Then in the playoffs, he averaged a little over 13 minutes of ice time, and at the end of the year, he was on this line with the, the teenager line, and they found some success. In those four playoff games, one goal, two assists, that's three points in four KHL playoff games as an 18-year-old. That is not easy to do, Chris. No. Go look at Nikita Kucherov's numbers. Pull him up right now. You're, you're on your phone. Pull up, pull up Nikita Kucherov. Pull up his numbers and tell me how many points that he had in his first year in the KHL as a rookie, as an 18 year old. Because these people saying pump the brakes on Pod Coltson because he only had two goals in 30 games have no idea what they're talking about. And it's super frustrating because it's like you, you don't even want to go at these people anymore because they're just so out to lunch on literally everything. Oh, you don't yeah. go at them on Triamkin. You don't go at them on this. It's just, ah. So Kucherov played 27 games in the KHL. He had one goal
2: in 27
0: games. I would, I if on I. On SKA actually, if, by the way. Same team. If I, see, if I was the Tampa Bay Lightning, I would have traded Kucherov after that. I would have pumped the Different breaks. team, by the way. SKA. Team. Team. Yes, it's you're a, right. It's a stupid one There's I always so get so many mixed K's up. and A's. So One goal. In 27 games. But Colson had more goals than Kucherov. I think
2: that was as a 16 and 17-year-old, though. Just going to get that in there. Was too. it? For Kucherov, yeah. Because he went to the queue yes, after that. Yes, that's right. Two years in the queue.
0: But still, man. This is ridiculous. Like, he, was, <laughs> he wasn't he was given any ice time. And, of course, he, two goals. That's not bad in the KHL. It's a good league. Like, it's a good league. It's one of the best in the world. It's just so frustrating <laughs> to see this, man. Like, uh, I, I don't even know... Like, I don't even know why I talked about it on the show. I'm glad I did. But, man, I, I'm working on a Putt-Colts and deep dive right now. Like, how to understand what you're looking at. Like, let's let's understand what the Canucks really have in this guy. Because everybody I talk to who watches this kid and watches every KHL game, the contacts that I have, they all say the same thing. And it's, this kid is legit. Like, the Canucks got a special player. I'm going to remind you all. When we were looking at who, what the draft order was going to be before the draft in Vancouver last year, a lot of people had Pod Coltson going third in that draft. He's a very, he's an
2: extremely talented guy. I watched a decent amount of his games last year. I'd say about 10. I didn't see a ton. Uh, some of those games I did watch, yeah, he played a few minutes, uh, which really sucked. But you talked about what he did in the playoffs. Yeah, 14 and a half minutes in the playoffs after the regular season where he averaged 849. Yeah. So he's up to 15 minutes a game that's him coming into this. He had to earn a lot of this stuff from this from this team. Like you mentioned, this isn't a some random team yep. like I've most till Tiller, whatever I've the hell. List. So whatever. Wherever Triamkin plays is not in the same caliber as CSKA. Or sorry, SKKA. We're already mixing so many of these up. But yeah, so he gets 20 shifts per game uh, in the playoffs. He actually starts to put up some solid numbers in the four games. He's getting the trust of his coaches. We still haven't seen... Pod Coles and do what he does best. If you saw the world juniors, the best thing that he does is work the puck around the net when he's the net front presence and he's able to make passes from behind the net as well. It's incredible to see him go to work against these guys. And he's going to be at the world juniors next year. Or whenever this world juniors, it comes up here in the future. Hopefully they can still get it by December, but the next world juniors that we're going to see, Pod Colson is going to be the best player at that tournament. Yeah. So and- people then are going to be like, Oh, look at this Pod Colson guy who just put out 15 points in nine games. He's <laughs> such a good prospect because people like to look at stats and people don't watch the games. Oh I guess gosh. for a lot of the situations. So but it's
0: not even about watching the games. These people, you can just. Like, look up a scouting report. Talk to people who have watched the games and get their opinions. Just go to Cam
2: Robinson's Twitter.
0: Go to Cam Robinson's Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> do whatever you need to do to understand and get it. Wrap your head around the fact that the Canucks have a real good player here. A real player here. Like, this kid is legit. I'm telling you. Rick Dollywell said I'm telling you like 20 times on... Uh, now it's in your head. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Speaking of which, I'm telling you, that Jack Rathbone... He's going to be something. And that's what Dollywell was talking about yesterday. Yeah, no, exactly. Jack Rathbone, like, I, so, like,
2: I, 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 from what I've heard, he sounds like he's going to be really good. He's a guy that I just haven't watched a lot of. I like to speak about prospects that I've watched a lot of. I'm not going to speak with a lot of confidence I'm from what I've seen with Jack Rathbone, but, you know, we've talked to Brett, uh, Brett Lee, that is. We've talked to Cam Robinson, a lot of people, you know, J.D. Burke. Like, a lot of these guys have watched a lot of him. They've got to talk with him. They're very high on him, but, like, I, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not 100% sold. I'm gonna have to see it from my own eyes to 100% be sold. Because, yeah, I listen to a lot of people and I look at projections. Like you know, the PGPS from Jeremy Davis has Rathbone as a pretty high potential guy to be here at the NHL level as soon as next year. But the situation with him is so complicated that it's strange for me to fully invest in it at this point and be 100% confident. Because I just I haven't seen him with my own eyes, and I can rely upon stats a lot but I really need to to make a full decision, a full stop decision on a player and have my opinion actually formed. Like I can't just do stats. I need to have the eye test. I know that stats are so great and it can teach you so much, but I need to see it with yeah. my own eyes. And that's just how I feel about uh, Rathbone. But man, like a lot of the returns, a lot of stuff I hear about him. Yeah, like he's he's a lot of people are saying he's ahead of Yo Levy. A lot, some people are saying he's ahead of Brogan Rafferty. And what I've seen a lot of Brogan Rafferty and Brogan Rafferty looks like yeah. he's NHL ready to play, you know, eight to 10 minutes of five on five yeah. right now.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like when everyone was telling me how bad Triampkin was, I didn't really believe it. I was like, I haven't seen this guy play since 2016-17. I know it wasn't great, so I had to go watch some KHL games. I'm not going to be on the anti Triampkin train and leading the leading the charge against Triampkin if I haven't watched him play. So I had to. I was like, I went into it hoping that I would be proven wrong, or that the guys who told me that he was absolutely garbage would be proven wrong. And here's the thing: I watched it, and all it did was affirm what they were saying. I was, yeah. I was appalled watching this guy play. Like his bad. positioning at both ends of the ice, and I don't want to keep talking about Trampkin. Yeah, we were his, supposed to go an episode without this. I know, but both ends of the ice—it's just horrible. And I think as a defenseman, when we watch Jack Rathbone, that's going to be something we really have to look for. Like, where is he on the ice? And I mean, a lot of people have already started throwing up this theories that. Uh, well, Rathbone's Judd brackets, guys. so he's going to go to Minnesota. And next August, I believe, so about a year a year and a month from today, Jack Rathbone is going to be a UFA. Uh, he can sign anywhere he wants as a college free agent. I don't know if it's actually a UFA, but he can sign anywhere he wants. So essentially he is a UFA. Okay, I want to shut down that idea because, okay, I've talked to some
2: prospects. I'm not going to say which ones. But I have asked them a lot about, hey, what is your relationship with Judd Brackett? You seem like a Judd Brackett pick. You guys can probably guess which players I'm talking about. A lot of them have not even met Judd Brackett. Yes, that's all good of point. the ones that I have talked to, um, which are, you know, later round picks that seem like Judd Brackett picks. They haven't even met this guy. But Rathbone, Rathbone
0: like has a relationship maybe a little with bracket. bit. That's
2: like well documented. You would think
0: so. But wouldn't
2: you think that, you know, maybe some of the guys that went to the same university as Judd Brackett and the university that Judd Brackett likes to draft out of, I'll let you guys put the piece of this puzzle together and guess these players. They haven't even met Judd Brackett. So I don't know how much Rathbone has been talking with Judd Brackett. There's a lot of different guys that go into here. Chris Higgins is a guy who's talking to a lot of these guys uh, in the NCAA. He's the one that's you know helping these guys get through these situations. I'm going to bet Chris Higgins is talking to Rathbone a lot. Judd Brackett has a lot on his plate as an amateur scout. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a lot Rathbone. For the Vancouver Canucks, sorry. But I think that... You know, I I don't I don't like that idea at all that he's Uh, gonna go to Minnesota when he's able to sign. I think that what the part that he likes is what the Vancouver Canucks organization has done for him and the fact that they went out as you know, (laughs) give all the credit you want to Judd Brackett. He wasn't the singular piece that went out and drafted those players. Even though he was very much pulling for guys like Jack Rathbone, and apparently that's a one hundred percent pick from Judd Brackett. I don't know if like I can't guarantee that they have the best relationship.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. We we don't know that for sure. But it has been pretty, yeah. it's been talked about before that these two have a relationship, hasn't it?
2: I can't think of it. Like, just those two, I can't think of it specifically. I can think of...
0: why have I heard this? I'm I can
2: think it. of the, you know, obviously the relationship between the Canucks organization and Jack Rathwin has been pretty obvious. The fact that a lot of people were let down by the fact that he went back to play high school hockey, um, you know, but the Canucks were okay with that, and they said that, you know, he could have been a guy who probably would have been talked about a lot as an overage draft pick, uh, which he probably would have been taken by Judd Brackett because Judd loves those guys anyways. But we saw him you know, actually be accepted by the Canucks, that he was going to return to high school hockey, something that probably for his for his development maybe wasn't the greatest thing, but he needed to be at home with his family, and you know I respect that. That's the kind of player that you're the type of – not only player, but the type of person that you kind of want in your organization. So I'm curious about it. Like I said, Rathbone isn't the guy that I've watched a ton of. This year, uh, I've seen maybe two games of him from start to finish, but that might be one that I'm moving into the future here. Uh, I do want to talk about Cole Lind a
0: little bit, unless you've dove into this uh, this Rathbone a little bit here, Quads. I just read a headline. This is brackets power play for autonomy costs Canucks star scout his job. That's oh, weird. it was huh. it was Willis too. It was Ed Willis. Who knows? Okay, whatever. Not live on the air. You're going to read this after. Yeah. Can I talk about Colin for a little bit? Yeah, talk about Colin. Okay. That pisses me off.
2: So I wrapped up with um, Joe Roberts today. We talked a lot about Colin. Uh it was funny explaining Joe Roberts what ShotShare was, but I won't get into that too much. That's <laughs> funny. Uh but yeah, we we explained Shot Share a little bit. Uh we talked a little bit about Cole Lynn. This article I've been working on has come together real nice. Um I thought I did a good job with the Rafferty piece. I thought I did a really good job with the Ole Levy piece pieces, uh positive and negatives. There weren't enough negatives for me to do a full one on colind. Um So we're going to dive into a lot of stuff that he was good at in this article. Should be dropping on Tuesday for you guys, but the playmaking on this kid, I think he might be the best pure passer on this Utica Comets team. I think that his the way that he plays on the power play in that bumper role is great. I think that that's a good spot for him moving forward. But the best thing that I like about this kid is how goddamn tough he is. He is a very tough kid from Saskatchewan. Took some massive hits this year. Feet are always going. The motor on this kid is really high. Uh, I'm going to get into a lot of it on the Tuesday article, but I think what I see for Colden now in the future is a guy who's going to start on this Canucks team as a fourth-line guy and possibly work his way up into what could be a top-nine role for him, but I like the way that he plays because he fits so perfect with the way that this Canucks prospect pool is made made up in the forward group. You have Vasily Podkoles, and you have Niels Huglander, you have Elias Patterson, you have Adam Gaudet, you have a lot of guys that are young and can score goals. You don't have a lot of guys that are extremely... Uh, I don't even know the right word to say, but like it just fits into a bottom six role. Like he really fits what a bottom six player can do. And I think what he fits the most about being a bottom six player is what the future of bottom sixes are going to start to look like. You're going to have to be able to score no matter what line you play on it. We've seen the NHL change over the past, you know, 10 years on what the fourth line used to be. There's no more grinders on your fourth line. I think that Cole Lind is a guy that you can see on your fourth line that can bring some offense. He could be on a Tortorella fourth line. We've seen what he's been able to do with their fourth lines and able to score. I think that what Cole Lind could bring to this team is a guy who's always going to be moving his feet. He's going to be tough. He's going to be annoying. The way that Joe Roberts talked about him was he's a fly that's just flying around your head and just so annoying. And it's not like it's going to leave a lot of damage on you. Like, he doesn't make huge hits. But man, I hate when flies are flying around the room and you can't get them because they're so annoying. That's the way that Cole Lynn's going to play. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he can do because I think next year, you know, as, yeah, as soon as next year, I think we'll see him in a Canucks jersey. I don't, he's not going to start the year at a training camp, but he's probably going to be on that first line in Utica now with Reed Boucher and Nikolai Goldobin gone there's no reason to think that Colin isn't going to be the man next year in Utica. And that's going to be when we really see what this kid's potential is when he's put into the role of being the number one shooter on the power play. Like, I don't know if he's going to be in the bumper spot anymore. He might be shooting more shots, but if he can relish that opportunity and be able to be a number one guy and be a first line guy in Utica, then we're going to start to get really excited about him because he yeah he played every single game this year for the Utica Comets. I'm just I'm excited because he fits the way this Canucks team is moving into the future as a bottom six guy who can bring some offense. So, I'm I'm rooting for
0: the kid and I hope that he has a good year next year. It's going to tell us a lot what he does next year in Utica. I'm really excited to read that article. Well, I have to edit it, but I'm excited to read it when I edit it. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's, it's always fun to read those deep dives that you do. And I want to ask you about a guy in Jonah Gadjevich. And I know you've watched a lot more Utica than I have. And that's why you know a lot more about Colin than I do. What do you think about Jonah Gadjevich Because there's been a lot of talk about him. Yeah, I will
2: know a lot in the next two weeks. I'm going to put up a little Twitter poll and see if people want D.P. or
0: Gadjevich. I want D Pietro. Give me a goalie deep dive.
2: That's okay, what I well, want. I was inject say, that into I'm my gonna, veins. I'm a man of the people. I'm going to see what the people want on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to guess that they vote Gadjevich, but I wouldn't be surprised if DPR won. So I'll run a one-day poll. Um, the things I like about Gadjevich, strong skating, like his, well, maybe not skating, strong strides, but I feel like there's something off when he's turning the corner of kind of getting out of those first three steps. Like, you need that quick first three steps. It's talked about so much. Gadjevich has a really strong lower body. He gets those three steps really hard, but when he starts to transition to kind of, the next few steps that he needs to get up to full speed. It seems a little, I don't want to like choppy is not the right word for it. Cause that almost sounds positive, but it almost feels like, like Bambi ish, you know, like it like his legs are just, they're yeah. not like helping him. I think gain more speed. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a little thing that he's got to work on, but it seems like that's a thing that a skating coach could really help him with. So maybe that is something he could work on his shot this year. Like he had a couple of really good shots for the Utica Comets this year. He's, Excellent around the net. I think he could be a guy who could bring something to a power play. But what I would really like to see from Gadjevich is, is him be able to kill penalties. If he wants to spot on this Vancouver Canucks team in the future, he's got to get good at killing penalties because, you know, Colin's not going to do it. The bottom six, if you're going to play in a bottom six role, which Gadjevich is going to have to, there's just no room for him in the Canucks top six in the future. He's going to have to kill penalties. But this kid is tough as nails. Like, oh, he like he is a fighting big strong kid he'll drop the gloves with anybody in the AHL he's tried to drop the gloves with a lot of people and they just won't drop the gloves with him. sometimes in games which is funny to see because you're like wow this is this is exciting I think people should be excited about Gadjevich. the only thing is hasn't been able to stay very healthy throughout his career which is obviously a letdown uh, sees like a lot of Canucks prospects go through this um, but if Gadjevich is able to come back next year healthy I've, I've floated the idea of, of a first line in Utica featuring you know is it Tyler Gray back with Cole Lind and Jonah Gajevich on his wings as the first line next year that sounds pretty damn good to me so they played a tiny bit together uh Cole Lind and Gadjevich did at the end of the year not a lot though um so it'll be interesting to see what Gadjevich can do and the biggest thing for him is he needs to stay healthy if he can stay healthy and put in a full year do something similar to what Cole Lind did this off season and came back strong and able to fight because Gajevich is a strong strong guy who's going to get involved in a lot of physicality but he's got to be able to stay healthy so I'll be interested to see what he does next year for sure he's He's got a lot of upside, but he's also got a lot of injuries that have held him back, I guess.
0: I want to talk about Elias Pettersson a little bit. This is this I'm is a guy, me. man. When I look at guys who are going to bounce back and really come out flying out of the gate in the play in series, I look no further than Elias Pettersson. I look, you know, what I did that article earlier in the week, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. I looked at what his numbers were beginning the new season this year. And last year, and I even accounted the two games this year where the Canucks just decided not to show up. I took into account that, like, 10 goals in his first 10 games. Like, this guy flies out of the gate and you know it was well documented last year his drop off his pretty significant drop off in production because they took goldie away from him but just just sure sure that's why (laughs) um but no like he even said it was because he got tired and he wasn't really used to the grind of an nhl season it wasn't quite as long as or sorry it was longer than an uh shl season and he wasn't used to it so i get it Then we look at what he did this year. There was no significant drop off. He may have slowed down a little bit toward the end, but nothing that you, there was no stretch of games that you can point at and say, oh, Pedersen really slowed down here, Pedersen stopped showing up. Like, that that wasn't the case. And I mean, fans were talking at the start of the year, it was hilarious, but fans were like, oh, Pedersen doesn't look like he's shooting as much, oh, this, 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 they were picking out little parts of his game. But no, I've said it before and I'll say it again, at least Pedersen was the MVP of this team, he was absolutely outstanding. And in this play-in series, and the playoff series that are going to happen after it, knock on wood, I think that Pedersen is going to be a guy who really is a difference maker each and every night. I don't, he doesn't, he just doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to fall asleep in the playoffs, you know, like a Johnny Goudreau. He just has that killer instinct, you know what I mean? And it's hard to, hard to analyze that and it's hard to put weight into that. But I just have a gut feeling that Pedersen is going to surprise a lot of people in this, in these playoffs. Yes, and no. I think that the way that,
2: the way that you're going to stop Elias Patterson, and with all this extended time that the Minnesota Wild have had of you know being able to watch what Patterson does, they're going to get very physical with Elias Patterson. Yeah, you know, they're probably going to have a matchup line for that line. It's going to be their most physical, best defensive line. It's going to be going up against Patterson, and they're going to be trying to rough him up because that seems like the only way that you can slow down Elias Patterson is to you know really put the contact on him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to react to that. I would bet on Pedersen though. I would bet on him being able to react to that in a better way. I'm sure that the same kind of thing happened in the SHL when he's your best player on that team, and you go up against him in a playoff. I know the SHL is the most physical league, but you got to put an extra, you know, an extra little bit of a bump when you go into him on Elias Pedersen. And when you go to the NHL level and you see guys that have played in playoff games before, they're really going to try and, you know, make sure that you finish your hit on Quinn Hughes when he makes a pass. Make sure you push Elias Pedersen extra hard when he's in the corner with the puck. So that's the thing that I want to see him react off of because we saw it a couple times. Remember that game against Columbus, that goal that he scored coming yep. out of the penalty box. Yep, he was pissed off. You know, if he yeah. gets pissed off again, I love pissed off Petey. Pissed I, off Petey's yeah. a lot of fun, and if he can get to that point again and channel his emotion in the right way, which seems like you know when, when you're like your best skill in life is. Being really good at scoring goals and playing hockey, I feel like all your anger you can push that into one thing. And I feel like Elias Pettersson has that in him. So we we need to see what he can do at the NHL level for sure um, in a playoff situation. And I'm like I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited to see what he can do in the playoffs, but at the same time, you know, coming back from not playing hockey, going right in and being the target, the number one target of every playoff team that you go up against. That's going to be a lot on Elias Patterson. I know it was going to be a lot this year for him in a regular situation, but now even coming back, I think it's going to be even tougher on a guy like that who hasn't been consistently playing games. He's definitely had the extra time to get 100% healthy, but man, he's going to be, you know, he's the number one target on this Canucks team. He's the number one way to slow down this Canucks team is to go in there and hit Elias Patterson.
0: I will say that Patterson is stronger. He has, I don't, I can't comment if he's put on weight, but he said that he's stronger. He had more time during the break to work out. He didn't have ice in Sweden, contrary to popular belief. I saw him doing some chin-ups, too. In, yes, exactly. Uh, in, his, in his vitamin water ad. Yes, exactly. He was doing a lot of ads, which was really good stuff. Good for him. Yeah. Get your money, what? Get that money, yeah. Um, Parallel 49. <laughs> Drink beer. Um, He is stronger. And, I mean, I think that's going to help him. and. You know, we heard Quinn Hughes say, "I feel better. I feel stronger. I feel faster. I feel like I'm going to be better in this play-in series than I would have been had I had to go straight to a playoff series right after the season concluded." And I think when you get guys like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, they just have it. You know what I mean? They just have it. And there's a lot of guys who don't have it. And you're, it's not something you can teach. And I don't think it's something you're necessarily going to get from everybody but I think those are two guys that have it they have that killer instinct
2: yeah he was like how much do you miss just watching Quinn Hughes on a nightly basis man like I miss it so when he he plays 30 minutes for you a game and he's just uh it's just I just really miss watching Quinn Hughes but I want to ask you about um Elias Patterson more because we saw success with him and Tyler Toffoli you know, Tyler Toffoli on three of his goals this year were primary assists from JT Miller. So, obviously, there's a chemistry between Miller and Tyler Toffoli that immediately happened for those two. Um, Elias Petterson didn't have a lot of primary assists on Tyler Toffoli's game. So, Brock Besser gets a lot of primary assists from Elias Petterson Elias Petterson knows when to set up Brock Besser in good situations to get Brock's best shot off. Brock's able to stay healthy for a while now. You know, he was doing a little bit of partying. But, I mean, he was on some boats and stuff in the time. But seems like he's okay. He hasn't uh, failed any... Yeah, he's good. he's
0: good. He's, he's good.
2: good. So maybe, and, you know, the wrist is healthy probably for him, getting a little bit of a break. Um, we do see Brock normally come out of the gate pretty good at the start of the season if he's healthy. You know, like, that's a thing that I'm excited for. So where do you sit on that first line of – it's going to be, like, you're not taking JT Miller off there for sure. It's going to be Miller, Patterson.
0: Who's your third there? It's it's to Foley on that line. I, I, I think you – now is not the time to try and change things that you had before. Before the break. It was working for them. Toffoli on that line was working. and But Brock Besser wasn't there too. For a lot of that. But he know. was. But he was toward the Playing end. on a March third trip. line too. Yes. Yes, exactly. So... Man, okay, there's no way Brock Besser's not in the top six. I'll just say that. There there should not be a scenario where Brock Besser is not in the Canucks top six in a playoff game. Wasn't Louis Erickson on the second line instead of Besser? Yeah, but remember, Louis Erickson was good at the time. <laughs> remember no, how he good he was? no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was good, he was good like in the, the last minute of the games. You bought a freaking jersey from him because of that. A Chinese New Year jersey, too. <laughs> if you haven't
2: seen it. It's... We're going to have it up in the studio. We're going to hang it, it in soon. the studio, yes. Yeah, we struggle with that. Nice. We'll have it right beside the Pet- – maybe just above the Pedersen one.
0: And right beside Jesus. And right beside Jesus, of course. Um,
2: But, yeah, I, like – so that means that you're putting Brock Besser with Horvat and Pearson. Yes. Okay.
0: That's exactly what i I feel doing. like
2: that line works against Minnesota, okay. but when you go up against the Colorado Avalanche, do you switch to Foley for Besser? Because I would like to have a second line matching up against Nate McKinnon's line that features Horvat, Tanner Pearson, and Toffoli instead of putting Brock Besser out there to try and cover McKinnon when McKinnon starts you know, doing that thing where he just skates around the whole offensive zone. And as soon as he gets to Brock Besser as his check, he's just going to burn past Brock Besser because he can't defend a guy like Nate McKinnon.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing. When I look at offense and what, what Tyler Toffoli is able to do, I think Tyler Toffoli is a classic player who really benefits from playing with skilled offensive players. And I don't know if Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson are going to be able to get the best out of Toffoli. I really don't. And I do think that Besser is able to create some create offense more than Toffoli is. I think he's going to be able to... I, I think Toffoli is going to benefit more from playing with Pedersen and Miller than Besser would. And I know the of line was one of the best lines in the league for a while there. I still think, and you know, it's funny because when the trade first happened, we immediately were like, well, there's no way that he's not playing with Pearson. That was why he was trading 100%. for it. But now, I'm, I'm in a different camp. And I mean, you look at what Toffoli did. Like, the guy had 15 goals before he got to the Canucks or something like that, um, or 18, whatever it was. And he scored three of them right before he got traded to the Canucks. He scored that hat trick in the outdoor game there. He didn't have a great year. And he didn't have a great year before that. And he didn't have a great year before that. But then he comes to the Canucks, and all of a sudden his scoring pace is ridiculous. And I think the common factor there is that he's playing with a guy in Elias Pettersson who really, really knows how to drive offense. And same with JT Miller. They know how to create offense, and they know how to make people around them better. And I think is a classic example of somebody who really benefited from that. And I think going into a playoff series you want that on your first line you want that guy on your first line and i mean it's tough to move besser down but i still think horvat needs some decent wingers and i think besser fills that need yeah and you know brock besser
2: has improved defensively for sure he's definitely gotten better tyler Foley, the thing that you like about him in the 10 games he was here five goals at even strength that's the thing that you really like to see yep. out of him right i mean that's what you want when you want to build one of the be- when you want to build your best line you know, obviously you're going to get power play production out of Elias Patterson. You're going to get power play production on JT Miller when that line's put together, but if they need to be able to score at five on five, and if that's what's going on with Tyler Toffoli, I definitely agree that that's a good spot. I'm just more in the camp of putting Brock Besser there. I think you come back, listen, they got their 10 game run. That was great. They had obviously a really good start, But I think when you want to look at the top six and you want to match up against this Minnesota team and I think other teams that you actually have to line match against because there isn't really, you know, people are saying Kevin Fiala is going to bury the Canucks. I don't don't know about that, but (laughs) people are saying that's going to happen. So like, okay, maybe the Fiala line goes up against the Horvat line when you get a match, but I'm thinking about the next series. You know, when you go up against a team that has a similar line to what you have with Elias Pedersen and JT Miller, a line that scores a hell of a lot of goals you're going to want to put that Horvat line matching up against them because that's what they did all year long, and they did a pretty damn good job of it of shutting down guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl when they go up against the Oilers. So when they go up against a team like that, I, I think Tyler Toffoli on that line makes a lot more sense because he's a defensively sound guy. Um, I think that Brock Besser makes a lot of sense on that first line because you're not trying to have as much of a two-way game with that line. You just want to outscore because you have a really good chance of outscoring almost any line in the NHL when you have JT Miller Elias Patterson and Brock Bess are going because they're just going to score. That's what they do. That's what they're going to go out there and do. That's what your first line does. Put out that second line of Horvat. They're going to score goals too. I mean, if you look at the way that line develops a lot of their goals from, it's from board work from Tanner Pearson. It's from Bo Horvat working down and getting a good pass off to that guy. If he's in the slot to score, that guy's going to be Tanner uh, Tyler Tofoli in that situation. Talat Toffoli can score when he gets a good opportunity in front of the net. So I like, you know, Toffoli's going to have success, obviously, if he plays a Pedersen and Miller. But I like the way that the
0: top six is going to have success if you put Toffoli on the second line. You brought up something interesting there about the matchups. And I've examined this pretty extensively. And the Wild strike me as a team because they don't have that real standout line. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like an Edmonton. They're not like a Colorado even. They don't have that standout line. They kind of run all four lines pretty consistently. I don't see the Canucks putting that Horvat line that was a matchup role. And the reason I say this is because at the end of the year, the last game of the season, New York Islanders versus Canucks, Pedersen is hard-matched against Matt Barzell. That is the Islanders' best line, okay? And he just outworked them. Pedersen was dominant in that game the, his line was able to shut down the top line while creating offense at the same time and because they're a similar team to the wild the islanders i do see a scenario where travis green really explores petterson in a matchup role in the playoffs when he knows petterson's gonna be you know that guy that wants to be out there and he you know in the playoffs again we talk about this killer instinct and you talked about a hard match against Pedersen. Well, if the Canucks are matching Pedersen against the Wild's top line, all of a sudden it becomes okay. Well, now this is just a case of Pedersen and his line mates outworking and outperforming your top line. Yeah, and that's why i I have time, like I, I
2: have time for the argument. Of course, of both these guys of Besser and fully being on the top line. But when you go against the next team that does have that, yep. you know. And I feel like if you want to develop your chemistry, it's not a huge letdown. I don't think it's a letdown at all offensively to go from Toffoli to Brock Besser. If Brock Besser is healthy and okay, I don't think you're losing anything offensively to make that the first line. But if you can get that second line of Toffoli, um, Pearson, and Horvat buzzing and knowing how to play a good two way game and getting some opportunity to build potential, that's why I like that line because you beat the wild. You know, I think the Canucks are going to beat the wild. I don't think. Oh, a lot of people say it's going to be close. I'm, I'm a little bit more leaning towards the Canucks. I just don't see the Canucks losing this series, um, unless Markstrom is just not what Markstrom was. That's the only way. Like, if Markstrom's on, they don't lose this series at all. But you look at the next couple of rounds, you're going to get these really good first lines. And I would, like I don't want to go one round and then have to switch up your top six that much, you know? Especially yep. in a time when you're coming back from not playing hockey. I think coming back to playing hockey, you want to just get them into a group and get them playing together. So...
0: Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. and i I have time for that argument as well. And I mean, the Canucks should get past the Wild. Like, it shouldn't so, be yeah. it shouldn't be a scenario. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe Wild fans because they're fans, but I don't know if there's any like real analysts who are saying no like the wild are gonna beat the canucks like i'm hearing either it's gonna be close but the canucks are gonna win or i'm hearing it's not gonna be close and the canucks are gonna win i haven't really heard anybody say like they don't have their color guy coming on a podcast to tell them that they're gonna sweep like we had with, that uh, was <laughs> yeah cheech john gary coming on the podcast predicting a sweep by the canucks mm-hmm. of the wild Anyways, I think we should wrap this up.
2: Yeah, I think it's been a good. Uh, see, we did this in one take too with the new Roadcaster. It's kind of nice. Yeah. You can, we can play the ads. We could take a little walk around and breathe for a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, it's been good to go. It's been good to talk about hockey. Um, I think that next week, you know, if like I'm gone next week um, for the show, I think we might do a couple interviews before we're, we're yeah. looking at doing the episode, but I think we'll figure out everything next week. Either that or you might have a guest host in here with you because. If training camps going on and we're there there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yep. Um so we'll see what happens with that. Um aside from that we we have plans for a special episode next week where we, I don't know if we're going to announce it now because we're not, not 100% yet. sure. Um uh, but it's going to be another little special episode. Um uh, we did no guests this week which was kind of nice to get back to just you and I talking hockey. We're in the same room. Uh, so that was good. Um some good guests coming on in the future as well. We have some We have some guests lined up that'll be a yep. lot of fun. Um, but aside from that, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Thank you guys for tuning in episode 88, um, uh, which was going to be no triumphant, but you decided to bring Whoops. them up. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't want to talk about them, but you keep bringing them up on the goddamn show. Quads. anyways, uh, episode 88, um, of the show. Thanks for tuning in guys. We're going to be coming back. Hopefully the audio sounded a lot better with our new setup here. And, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Canucks conversation.